All right, this is a big get for us. Wouldn't you say? This is huge. This is huge. Yeah. Uh, we have a very special guest on. Someone who knows more about real estate than anyone I've ever met. And someone who is personally responsible for keeping Lauren and I, amongst many others, out of prison. Whitney yes. Sweet, thank you for joining us. This is true. <laughs> this is the goal of every day, to keep you all out of prison. I know a lot about real estate, mostly because I've made all the mistakes um, and failed my way into knowing a lot of things. But yes, thank you. You have a very illustrious career. You are the employing broker at Keller Williams Integrity. What does that mean, Whitney? So every office, every real estate office has to have an employing broker. Um, sometimes they call it the managing broker. They're not always the same person. So some, I can be an employing broker and I can designate a managing broker. So mm. sometimes when you go to offices, it's the same person. Sometimes it's not. Um, so I basically hold everyone's license at the division of real estate. Everyone is underneath me and I am legally responsible for all of my agents, which is horrifying most days. It's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> I, like, I hear that and I just, mm-hmm. in my bones, just break yeah because to me that's such a huge responsibility and one that I know that you don't take lightly but you also do it with such grace and I feel like I can call you any time of the day and sometimes you're like what what did you do and other times you're just like hey Lauren yeah no I (laughs) hopefully I always hold that well I think that's actually part of one of the things I love is Mm -hmm. like I'm not scared of Here's the thing. When I was a when I was an agent, I still am an agent, but when I am on that side of the table, if I make a mistake, it is it is emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On this side of the table, you can come to me and be have your emotional moment and I can say, "Let me let me hold that for you" because I don't have the emotion in the deal and I can just be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And so I always say when I'll tell you when it's time to panic or freak yeah. out or worry, until then, don't. We've got this. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of how I like I just like to hold that for people. Because it is so emotional, especially in the beginning, right. when you're like, I've never seen this before. And our seasoned agents and I still see things all the time we've mm-hmm. never seen before. I, I believe it because I, I wouldn't call myself a seasoned agent, but I'm. there's something you learn on every deal. Every deal. Yeah, Absolutely. no matter what. It's like, oh, this is new. And you kind of feel like you're supposed to know everything. But then there's this realization of, oh, no, nobody really does. Mm-mm. you know. And so you just got to find the answer. Well, and real estate school does not prepare you to sell real estate. At all. At all. <laughs> it doesn't really do. I mean, the barrier no. to entry to our industry is very low. Yeah. And not that it's not hard to get your license. It takes some time and some effort and some money. But you can yeah, pretty much can get it and then you go hit the ground running and yeah. and you're like wait what 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 do i do i have right. no no idea what to do right. so i want to be accessible to our agents i hope that people know they can call me and we have several layers underneath me built in so that once we have deal doctor and we have alc members and we look work in a very collaborative office mm-hmm. so people know you can call someone else or run a contract by or some verbiage by somebody else and they'll help. And that helps me because then I really, if it lands on my desk, something has gone terribly wrong. Yeah. yeah I yeah. try, I try not to bother you unless it's like nobody else knows the answer, Whitney. So we need you here. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> How did you um, decide to become an employing broker? What was that decision like? So I was licensed in 2001 is when I got my real estate license. So I've had it for a long time. I moved into a more coaching, teaching, training realm after um, 
well, I have a long history of, of selling and, and kind of some ebbs and flows in that and decided I don't care if I ever sell another house ever again for the rest of my life. Um, and I really let, I thought, okay, I can teach people to do. I'm good at that. I love this coaching, teaching, training. So I got into coaching and the brokerage I was at, at the time required that I got my managing broker's license. And so I did it reluctantly and had it and also had some of the pieces in place when uh, we here were in need of an um, employee broker. Um, I really was the only one with the credentials. <laughs> That's uh, actually how it happened. Because oh. it used to be if you've had your license for two years, you can be an employee broker. And that was the only benchmark. That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Because I think that's us. Two years. Yeah. And- <laughs> that was the only criteria. What? Until recently. Uh, and so the criteria had changed. And I still don't know if anybody else has a managing broker's license. Um, but... But that should not be the benchmark. So actually, our former team leader and Damian Cox worked together with a commission um, and a, a committee of people to kind of raise the bar of saying, if you're going to manage, we have 200 plus agents in our office. You need to have some sort of experience. So it's credentials as far as managing people, managing offices, understanding offices, and transactional history, believe it or not, as well. So I met the criteria, and I was a warm body. That's how I became our managing broker. <laughs> and with your 100 deals for your first year of real uh, estate. Not in my first year. Oh, no, no, no. Mm-mm. Well, let's talk you about that, You had one year, though, yeah. right? Where That was 150 like... in nine months. Mm-hmm. How the in the heck? hell does one do that? Try every day. Okay, so so we'll take you through the progression. I got licensed, 20 years old, had a baby, tiny baby at home. This is back when you had to read books and fill out scantrons to do the home study. Oh, or you could go to a class for three months, which there was no way I was doing that. Yeah. So I did it in three and a half weeks. I Every t- unit test filled out my scantron and took it to the place, and they ran it through the machine, and I failed. I went back out into my car and held it up to the sun and figured out which ones I could and filled it out again and went and took it back in and ran it through and passed again oh. and took a great review class and passed the test on the first try. Thank God. (laughs) Um, Then went to work with a friend of mine on a team, um, a friend, uh, not a friend anymore. We was a friend at the time. Um, We lived a lot of life together. It was fine. He was a successful agent, had a successful team. I didn't have the tools to really be successful. And I was home with babies at that point. I had four kids in five years between 20 and 25 years old. So the real estate piece was hard to fit in. I am picturing wow. the chaos of your life in that period. It that hasn't went, stopped. It's oh. still the same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but you're young and you're you're, you're like I I got this. Yeah. I can do this. So I wasn't super successful. You know, did a few deals here and there. Didn't really feel like I had the knowledge or tools to to be great. Um, moved on to another team with another agent. He did a much better job of teaching me what to do. He had more leads for me. He really had more involvement in coaching me. Um, went off on my own, did did my own stuff for a while, moved out of state. Um, and then I didn't have a license in that state. So I was an office manager, which I have no business being, by the way, for a real estate company. But it was um, in a place that they were not very um, advanced technologically. And I was like, we can address, you know, organize this by things like address instead of like the old Johnson place. And yeah. they were like, whoa, you are brilliant. But it really boosted my confidence in the real estate realm. I was like, oh, you guys know that you can do these electronically? And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So I worked on that um, and then came back to Colorado. And my friend who I started in real estate with um, was building out a brokerage. It was a high volume flat fee brokerage mm-hmm. and asked me to come alongside him again. And so I worked my way through that company 
all the way through each position and I basically built out each position and then I'd place the person and move to the next one. And when I left, I was the COO of the company, but also the lead agent and every transaction was in my name. But Mm. I did not have a robust team. We had a field person, we had a photographer, and then we had a front side transaction coordinator and a under contract to close transaction coordinator. So we so did like, 150 deals. You're really doing all those deals, oh, basically, yeah. with a small goodness. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why why do we talk 150 deals? 150, and I quit the okay. beginning of um of October. That was my question. Why are we talking about it in nine months? What happened the rest of that year? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was awful. Mm-hmm. My friend and I had parted ways as having a good relationship anymore. And so I could tell I had put everything into building this business and we were not going to part ways probably on good terms. And I, um, I just, I said, this is not worth it for me. I've made almost no money. You'd be shocked at what I made during that time. So I put it all back into the business to do things like cover payroll and just was dying. I worked every day, probably at least 16, 18 hours. I took off New Year's Day and Father's Day that year. Mm-hmm. And it all came down to an orangutan diorama that was due at my kid's school the next day. And I came home from the office and she's like, I have an orangutan diorama due in school tomorrow for science. And I just started sobbing. And I was like, <laughs> I have 10 inspection resolutions I have to get done before midnight. And I have to find monkeys. And there has to be bananas and vines and I'm sobbing and my husband was out of town Mm. and um, my oldest daughter looked at me who I think was in seventh grade at the time and was like I got you mom go Mm. do your work I'll figure out the orangutan diorama Uh and I quit my job (laughs) wow did Did you you finish the resolutions before you quit your job I mean I would never not finish the resolutions and I would never not get the orangutan diorama done I will die on both of those hills (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just was physically and emotionally dying how could you not be Mm -hmm. was it really like 10 at a time 10 IRs you had to do Mm -hmm. I think I probably had 6 that day sure but in any given day I mean when you're closing like the goal was always to be closing at least 40 transactions a month (sighs) How does one keep track of all that? I know you have a team and everything. Amazing, but. amazing um, brains that work organizationally. That is not how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, we were working out of a CRM, but it was still, you know, bumpy at that time. Yeah. It was, I mean, I, I could teach a class on it because I have, um, at the time, an amazing, amazing, amazing two TCs that were very organized mm-hmm. and kept it on track here's the deal at the end of the day every single format of selling real estate has its own pluses and minuses i'm glad that i did that that was my master's degree in real estate Mm. it was i mean i didn't make a lot of money and i cried a lot but i came out of that knowing more than i ever would have known taking a traditional path and so while my friend and i parted ways and I moved on. I am in a healthier space and I know a lot more. So I'm glad it happened. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that when you came over here after you guys? Parted That's when I got my managing broker's license and started teaching and coaching. Okay. Um, and then I came here actually as a productivity coach um, 2016. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And then when I became the managing broker and worked very closely with our attorney, that's where I got my PhD in real estate. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Damien Cox. Who, Damien Cox. He's yeah. everywhere. What's his deal? He's the basically attorney that you work with here. He right? is. He's our attorney that we have on retainer for our office. Mm-hmm. He is on retainer at many offices in Colorado. 
Um, he's great. I, yeah. him and I work really, really well together and I actually teach for his company, Cox Education, which is good for me to stay up on the contracts, to make sure that I really understand them in depth. Yeah. And for me, it's beneficial to get them to my agents and to other agents, all that information. It serves me really well right. for my agents to have a really good understanding from my perspective mm-hmm. on how to write contracts because then they do it my way. So I love that. Whitney does teach the best classes. She I always does. look for hers if, if they have them. Yeah. I feel like you were like my template for contracts whenever I first started. Good. As my yeah. agents, that's exactly what I want you to do. <laughs> yeah. Do it my way. Yeah. <laughs> but before we even did a class, right, we kind of did a deal together. And I just uh, remember, oh, what Whitney does, copy and paste. <laughs> yeah, over and over again. Because yeah. I've done it wrong a thousand times and now, and I've seen it in court and I've seen mm-hmm. it in arbitrations. And now I'm like, this is how to do it. Here's how it can be as airtight as possible. Yeah. yeah. What was that like going from doing 40 transactions-ish a month to moving do more of a teaching, coaching role? I mean, did you just take a deep breath were you able to breathe again i went to soccer games mm-hmm. i had dinner with my children every night i did not have to jump and someone calls me and says i need you to jump i didn't have to jump mm-hmm. i've been through shifting markets in many realms so you have for 20 plus year career you've got many different times where there you have to jump whether it's for a buyer that needs to go out right now or for a seller that's like i have to short sale my house mm-hmm. we have 9-11 times, we have COVID times, we have mm-hmm. all these different times where you have a moment that changes everything and we have to adjust yeah. on the fly as agents to hold our people well. And so I, I, that's great. I don't have to do that anymore. You all can call me. My busiest time for calls is on Friday afternoons and evenings <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason, because that's when people are out. But I am like, sure, let me review that contract I got you, but I don't yeah. have to jump like I used to anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is that changed everything for me to make me love it again. Mm-hmm. Sure. What's your day-to-day like now? Um, I take calls as they come in. There's like a few agents who I'm kind of their direct line. There's a, a lot of agents who will go through a few avenues before they get to me. I'll take somewhere between of like managing broker, managing broker calls, um, three to 10 a day, depending on the day. Usually those are multifaceted. So usually they take a few hours to handle or a few days to handle, or sometimes 18 months in a trial to handle. Not very often, (laughs) but only once, but, um, and it's just putting out fires or helping someone problem solve through, Hey, I've got to write this up. How do I write it? Mm -hmm. How do I make sure that this is locked in or we've got a problem with lending or, you know, I, yeah. I don't want to commit loan fraud. How do I write this to make sure that it can be on the contract properly? Right. So that's it's answering those questions. Damien and I used to talk almost every day. I He's like, you speak Damien very well now, so we don't talk <laughs> every day anymore. Yeah. But we talk, you know, pretty regularly. Pretty regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm working in compliance now, too, so I'm reviewing all these contracts. I know. That's we get Whitney comments Terrifying. Now. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet that's been super eye-opening for you coming into that and being like, I don't know if so much got just okayed before because I'm assuming if you're now reviewing compliance, there's a reason for Mm -hmm. that. Um, Which, what, just for people, what does that mean? So you- compliance, every agent in a transaction will have a set of documents that's required by the office, but also by the real estate commission to keep on file for a certain number of years. I think it's four <laughs> years. Um, and so we have basically a checklist on our backside CRM mm-hmm. that agents have to submit their documents to. And compliance is making sure that they're all, you know, 
hopefully filled out properly, but signed, that things are turned in on time. Things like lead-based paint addendums that are super important in um, the legal world of keeping people out of fines and things like that. Just making sure that they're signed on time, that they're turned in, and that they, we have a, a record of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seems like a lot of work. I'm good. At, I'm great at other things. <laughs> <laughs> like I, back to the office management piece, just the the tediousness of it yeah. is not really my jam. Yeah. But um, it needed to fill a gap right Doesn't, now, and we needed to reel it back in because agents are ticked off when they don't get their commission checks at closing because their file wasn't compliant. Mm-hmm. But they're less ticked off when it's me telling mm-hmm. them that than when it's some virtual assistant somewhere yes yeah. it would be hard to be mad at you i mean they don't tell me if they are they do okay <laughs> i'd be afraid <laughs> i don't think i've had a lot of people not not very many people that have said i mean you have people that'll say i'd like to challenge your knowledge about that and they'll send me yeah. something you know that from dmar and i'm like uh-huh. well Let's chat about that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, basically, I'm a mom here too. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like I'm a mom at home. I come in and I'm like, let me hold your stuff well, and also I might discipline you a tiny bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Mm-hmm. So, in all your years, you say that you've learned and you've made all the mistakes, and I don't know how nitty gritty you can get into this. Oh, but what was like your biggest that you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that's where. I have some huge ones. I mean, thank God now I'm so far past some of these mistakes that I can tell you. Yeah. I'm sure I did Statute not have a compliant lead-based paint addendum for five years. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I am like, that was like a billion dollars of fines if they ever would have audited my yeah. files because we weren't doing it right. And I didn't know I wasn't doing it right. Mm-hmm. I didn't have someone to teach me that this is really important to keep your license safe, to keep your buyers and sellers safe. Right. So I had dozens that weren't implied okay that's not the biggest mistake though that was just uh, <laughs> okay. my biggest moment um oh man there are so many uh one time i when i used to send signable contracts to my people before we had reviewed them i we had gotten an offer in on one of my listings mm-hmm. and um, I'm trying to think of which way it went. So we got the offer in, let's say at three thirty, back when houses were three hundred and thirty thousand dollars regularly. That was an average <laughs> priced home here in Denver. And um my sellers were like, no chance, counter them at three sixty and we'll do three sixty. And I talked to the buyers and they said, We'll do three sixty. Hmm. And so they had we'd sent them a counter and I had sent my sellers the counter to sign, but they it wasn't the counter. They signed the offer at three thirty. Oh no. Thirty thousand dollars. So and once every party signs that well, the counter was the contract was already signed by the buyers when they right, submitted it. Right. So my mm-hmm. seller's signature on there made it a legal binding contract, thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars underneath market value where um, it it should have been. So how do you rectify that? Um, I had the most wonderful agent ever on the other side. Um, I don't even know. So I they, called and said, "What have we done?" Right. And she was like, "We, I knew. Let's just let's just delete that contract to make a new one." And I was like. Bless wow. your oh, wow. heart. Yeah. Didn't yeah. even fight with me about it. That's awesome. What that is the right thing to do angel. because that a is. contract is, you know, it's a, it's a written version of an agreement and you guys yeah. made an agreement to do something, but she could have 
could have really screwed you over. Um, we've had an agent even in our office this year mm-hmm. that's been in that same position as the buyer and went full on and bought the house. And and, and I'm not saying I, they did end up doing some negotiating because we do really stand on the win-win or no deal kind of a thing. Like, mm-hmm. don't be a jerk. Right. If you, this yeah. is an honest mistake. Let's not take someone for $100,000. Right. So. Right. Do the right thing. Also, you do have leverage, and it is a legal binding contract. So guess what I always do? You all should always do. Send a PDF first. Yeah. Yes. Go over things first with your clients before you send signable versions. Yeah. And that's how we learned that lesson. That <laughs> like, is a great idea. I have that, and that's one thing I do now because you and Janine have mm-hmm. hit that home for me because I feel like there's probably multiple agents who have – accidentally had someone mm-hmm. sign something that shouldn't have been signed yeah. so PDFs, I've, yeah pdfs are good um mm-hmm. also pdfs are good for if someone sends you something and then they hide it again in our contracts program and you needed that information yeah. Yeah. um so anytime i receive an offer i, I save it as a pdf any immediately smart. even before oh, i present smart. it i always save it as a pdf um just somewhere off of our contracts program so i've got a, a another copy of it speaking of the nitty-gritty in the past you mentioned a trial can you tell us about that? What happened? I can't. I know. I was okay. like, I want to give you guys some dirt, but no. I can't give you too much dirt. Like right. it's, you know, some of these yeah. things are legally bindingly sure. from right. an arbitration or a, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, what, again, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my learning process was um, as the managing broker, we had my agent call and say my buyer, and I can't get into the specifics, my buyer is making a decision here that I don't. I don't know why they're doing this. They basically had just walked walked away from a deal in the middle and there was giant amounts of earnest money on mm. the table. Huge. And they just walked away. And so we got into the weeds a little bit of, you know, how to fix this. What do we do? How do we keep their earnest money safe? How do we, you know, we're walking. Yeah. We've been hours in. And she said, I'm just at a loss. I really just don't know what to tell them. And I texted her back or him back. I don't even remember. And said, um, Tell them to stop being dumbasses. <laughs> Which is good advice. <laughs> Which was the right advice, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It was the right advice. But I've since learned just maybe a phone call about those things instead of <laughs> right. a text message or an email. Yeah. Um, because we did go to trial on this deal. And my text messages did get subpoenaed. And I had to read in court on the stand that I had said our clients were dumbasses. Well, How but do they, you hold do on. that That's seriously. true. That's not libelous because that's true. <laughs> Uh, but like to get up and say that yeah. like also you like cracking up does that i mean <laughs> does that what is what is your fiduciary responsibility to your buyer i don't know if there is a line about don't call them names no. or no i think no. that is doing your fiduciary yeah. duty by yeah well it is so weird because this agent was dealing i mean the the buyer's the one making the decision ultimately but they're just making a terrible terrible decision and it's like there's nothing you can do and we went on trial and this is the only you know we've I don't have agents go to court about these things. That's my job is to make sure that we don't. This was something that was just so far out of the realm of normal. And we went all the way to trial. God, that's crazy. How many times have you gone to trial? One. Just And that was it. it. Wow. Mediations, arbitrations. Yeah. Um, We've been to court, but we've settled before we've had to. and, And really one court case also. Yeah. The others have been handled um, in mediations and arbitrations, and I've only had a handful of those, like less than 10. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. For how many transactions you've been a part of or Mm -hmm. managed? Do you still do your own transactions? 
I do. I'll do a few a year. I'm pretty selective. It has to be really in my wheelhouse. I've done one with Lauren, actually. Pulled mm-hmm. her in to help me on a little out of my realm. This is kind of in an area that I couldn't make it to frequently. Mm-hmm. So I'll pull in other agents if it's an area that I had a client this week that I referred into someone to our office. They wanted an expert in this area. And I'm like, I'm certainly not that. Sure. And I'm not gonna, I'm not at the stage of my career that I'm going to go learn. I'm like, yeah, no. So no, I still transact and mm-hmm. I find that I'm, Um, clunky at it because I'm not in the rhythm. I think agents who are in the rhythm of transacting and they do a better job at managing Mm -hmm. all the parts and pieces. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm a little nitpicky. And I'm super arrogant and egotistical to work with. (laughs) (laughs) And I like winning. And I think the my buyer, I had a a client this summer, buyer's buy sell side. And she said to me at the end, I never, ever want to have game night with you. And I was like, yeah. Uh And I'm like, I'm not like that in real life. But I, in real estate, I will dig my heels in and die on every hill I choose to die on. (laughs) Right. Interesting. I don't want to be in a deal with you either. Real estate can bring out the competitive side of you for sure. Yeah. I mean, I felt that too, especially with buyers in this like hot season Mm -hmm. where if you have buyers who can compete, you're like, oh, we're winning. We're winning and I am going to be creative and mm-hmm. I'm going to be flawless mm-hmm. and I'm going to be convincing and manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can be all of those yeah. things to a really big. And then once we're under contract, I'll destroy you on the inspection too. And I will, you know, I mean, it's just I, because yeah. I have the experience to do these things. I just have a lot of tools in my toolbox that right. um that I will use. I love it. <laughs> so we're recording this at a time where the market has shifted quite a bit mm-hmm. and people are freaking a little bit. Um, you've seen a lot of market shifts. You mentioned mm-hmm. many of them. Um, and so what? what's your outlook right now? Um, all of the agents who've gotten in in the last several years are going to have an exponential learning curve. Mm-hmm. Exponential. And it will weed out the people that won't do it. And you'll be in some deals with people that you're like, oh, gosh, they have no idea. So just don't be that guy. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. going to need to learn a lot. You're going to do forms and things that you've never seen before. We are in a market. These these sellers have a lot of equity in their homes. And so mm-hmm. we do have a little bit of play here. But we're going to have a pause in big you know, you have a buyer that goes out and you have a seller that wants to sell, you're going to get that deal done and close as quickly as you can. Now we're going to have some lag time. So it's building your pipeline and really taking the time to be diligent. I mean, a warm body could have sold a house in the last, Mm. you didn't have to have any skills at all to Mm -hmm. sell a house in the last Mm -hmm. several years, but you have back in 2008, nine, 10, you know, those years where, you picked your agent based on who had connections, who was going to, you know, door knock the neighborhood, who was going to do all yeah. these things that we haven't had to do to sell houses and who has extreme knowledge of things like short sales and foreclosures. And right. that's where I started. Um, and I learned a lot during those markets. But when I first, when I had all those babies at home, I couldn't really sell anymore. So when I went on my own, I was, I said, I'm going to learn the foreclosure side of this and the investing side. So I would literally take all, I'd put on like the baby Bjorn, the double stroller, and I'd go down to the trustee's office every week and I'd buy their list of who was in foreclosure, who had been served notice of demand, election in demand. Um, and I'd, I'd figure out who all these people were. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go sit on the county courthouse on Wednesdays and listen to the auctions every Wednesday. Wow. And I'd figure out who's buying these places. Yeah. 
And then I was figured out a strategy to go and get to the, the sellers, the homeowners, before they got there and say, what do you need? Because this isn't a good place to be. I don't have two nickels to rub together, so I can't buy your house, or I right. would. And they'd be like, I need a kitchen table and a deposit on an apartment. We're like, I got you. So I'd put them under contract, and our contracts were assignable then. And I'd sell them to investors. Whoa. The contract. While carrying babies around. All, wow. the, all the babies. I'm sure the people at the courthouse loved me. <laughs> That's amazing. It really but is. But I learned a lot about how to meet people's needs in a transaction because yeah. right now we're going to learn it's not always financial. Sometimes it's like, I need some help. Mm-hmm. You know, I need a moving truck and yeah. I need someone to hold my babies for me while I you know load right. up the truck there mm-hmm. are times where that's been the most important part of a transaction mm-hmm. it just hasn't been the last couple of years yeah. right right so what would you say to agents now right like in this market what is something so important because we just got in this two years ago mm-hmm. so we are navigating this new shift mm-hmm. new market we have and to learn how to sell houses double We're down on everything <laughs> double down on everything you're gonna yeah. have to double down on what you know, who you know, your tool, your toolbox, your resources that you can provide to people. Have a good vendor list um, that you can provide resources to people. Um, connect with other agents who know more than you do, yeah. and yeah. Um, pull someone along with you. But but have a little tribe of people that is going to be support that will be supportive mm-hmm. of you along the way. And if you can diversify your income in your household, that's always helpful. Putting all your eggs in one basket is definitely a hard place to be in any industry, but in real estate because it's volatile. Yeah. Right. So if you can have a household where there's more than, even if it's just you, mm-hmm. where you're, you have a couple things going on, um, it's a good way to stabilize yourself through True. a shifty market. Diversify. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's kind of exciting because it, it is going to matter to be a, a good real estate agent now mm-hmm. where it may not have as much the last two years. It would on the buy side. But everybody also kind of had the same tricks. Not not everybody, but mm-hmm. just how much do you want to give up? As it's a always yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. It's new tricks. It's a new thing. It's a new whatever. Mm-hmm. This is our new strategy. Um, and then they'll make some other, add eight more pages to our contracts to prohibit <laughs> us from doing that on the next round. <laughs> That's what keeps me teaching. Sure. <laughs> I have to reteach these things. Yeah, but sure. um, yeah, it's new tricks. That's it. And Everyone can only do what they can do. But honestly, you are the commodity in these transactions of how you, to your clients and to mm-hmm. the agent on the other side. And being able to be able to articulate who you are and why you are important in the transaction is just as important as writing a good contract as mm. well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh-huh. So good. Where were you on 9-11? Um, let's see. <laughs> I was... Did you know this question was coming? She? Might, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, my husband and I were 22. My goodness, babies. We, I was pregnant with our second daughter. Okay. We had, were living in the second, we had built this house. We would bought a couple houses. So we were living in the second house that we had built. And I was pregnant with my second daughter and so sick. I could not go get my older daughter out of the crib. Oh and I had to call my mom and say, mom, can you come please? Like you got to get Carly out of the crib. And she was in DC and she was like, I haven't made it home. I couldn't fly home. And then I started hearing all these things. My husband was working out by the airport. We own a construction company. He was working out by the airport at the time and didn't have a cell phone. Gasp. Can right. you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? And I drove out there and said, just come home. 
just like we just want you home yeah so. mm-hmm. yeah so yeah and times. that's that whole group these 9-11 babies are these these yeah kids that came out of this time also and mm-hmm. some of the things of trauma it's very interesting when you dig in and learn about things that happened to babies in utero and their brains and their bodies and how the trauma of these huge major what? probably COVID stuff too actually yeah. physiologically can have effects on on all sorts of things but certainly families and the kids coming forward and then there was a baby wow. boom like everybody sure. had a baby the next sure. year <laughs> so like the stress on the mother mm-hmm. if, oh interesting yeah Wow. And I'll it'd be curious during COVID if you hear some of that too come yeah. out of when you were pregnant or just the emotional yeah. duress, but, let alone the physiological things that are happening. Yeah. Oh, and then man. people that have younger kids who yeah. at some point were wearing masks mm-hmm. during those uh-huh. developmental mm-hmm. times, you yeah. know, so that'll be interesting. To It'll see be too. all something interesting. Yeah. 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 Spencer oh. was born a month before everything shut down. Oh my gosh. I just remember being in the hospital like she was just born seeing on the TV. Uh, oh, it's in China. Yeah. And like her one week appointment. I'm like, oh, are we good here? And next thing I know, oh, we're not good. Like, everything is shutting down. What was shutdown like for you guys? I mean, how are you in your personalities? Um, Lauren, I was going to come as Lauren today as the social (laughs) butterfly, as the basic social butterfly. But um, I... I'm not wired like you, Lauren. If, and we know this about each other, right? <laughs> Tell me how you stayed alive, Lauren, is what I want to know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I So totally not a proud mom moment, but I just remember one of the finer moments. Um, 2020 was just rough in general, but I lost my job. And I remember drinking an entire bottle of rosé to myself. That was like my low point. But I remember walking. So we would walk probably three, four times a day. Oh, during lockdown? Yes. And just just to get out. I just needed to get out. Or I would just drive, Mm -hmm. right? And just let the baby fall asleep Mm -hmm. in the car and do that. But I just needed to get out. So that's kind of how I survived. Mm -hmm. Um, Porch parties, whenever that was like an acceptable form and it got warmer, porch parties you know camp out in the driveway and just hang out um yeah I mean even though I am social I do recharge alone um this gives me energy but sometimes it does drain me so like I need that but also just having that alone time and where like Chris and I would wake up every weekend morning and choose either Saturday or Sunday where we were gonna get up and go hike Mm. oh like, I miss that yeah. because we don't do that anymore now that things have started to just go back to normal. Mm-hmm. I'm, I miss that intentional family mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Sam, do you have kids? I don't even know the I answer do. to this question. I have two kids, three and one. And oh, so you guys are in the trenches. Man. We are. <laughs> I'm in different trenches, but those yeah, are the trenches. Yeah, yeah. You're like two engagement uh, yeah. trenches. We're different trenches. <laughs> Can I? Yeah. I need to sell more houses next year. <laughs> We all do. Mm-hmm. Can I give you my least proud dad slash yeah. human being moment during COVID? Um, it's when they announced briefly that liquor stores would be shutting down. And my <laughs> wife and I got on a call and it was like, code red. We're not going to be able to buy booze for I don't know how long. 16 years, approximately. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need a lot. So me, it tur- I'm like, I got a, I got an hour. I can go. Me, it turns out, and everyone else went to the liquor store. Um, I went to three different ones because they were so full. Finally, I was at Fairfax Liquors in Park Hill, which is not my main liquor store um but i was just like this has got the least big line which is like 20 people long and people had carts Mm -hmm. i'm not kidding Mm -hmm. you they had carts 
So I just grabbed some bottles of wine and a couple bottles of makers. And and then the next day they're like, ah, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but they did that to us in our industry too, right? Yeah. And I was, I was just laughing about this. You may have to edit this out actually, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I don't know if you guys do Enneagram stuff or know about Enneagram stuff. And mm. I am an Enneagram six. I am prepared AF. Like, <laughs> I was made for lockdown. I was made ah. for taking care of things that are about to go wrong because I had already reloaded the liquor store well in advance of, oh. you know, I had plenty of toilet paper and plenty of yeah. all these things because yeah. I was like, you are not going to mess with no. me. No. <laughs> but oh. I remember when we had a brief moment in real estate, I was here chuck was our um tl yeah. at the time like 45 minutes into the job and couldn't even come in and meet anybody <laughs> yeah. hi nice to meet you we haven't actually met yet we are now on a team called um i had to deputize somebody in our office as the covid deputy uh, and so i deputized um chuck we i still call him deputy on the phone <laughs> hey De- deputy how are you today um but we were in the middle of them saying you can't sell real estate anymore you can't do showings you can't not nothing right. and we had you know circling up with the people a couple times a day but my husband and i one night just went to the park like on the night where like everything's gonna get shut down let's just go and we just brought bottle of booze and went and sat at the park and yeah. i think by the time i was talking to you know the end of the night people in our office i was loaded and i was mm-hmm. just like i don't know man i don't know what you're gonna do <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah God, that's funny. Whatever Enneagram six is, whatever the opposite is, I think I'm that. Because it's a seven. It's my husband. Okay. Because I was like, it's fine. China? Nah, we're Americans. We'll figure this out. (laughs) Oh, wait, was I wrong? You're a seven, like my husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, until, until like March. 13th or whenever it was when Rudy Gobert got COVID and COVID and they finally shut everything down. When Tom Hanks got COVID, that's when I was like, oh, it's real. Oh, it's real. Oh, it's a problem now. Yeah. Yeah, Until then I was like, it's going to be fine. We'll get through it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not an alarmist because I'm always prepared. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm like, we're fine. Plus bring my kids home. Fine. I went and picked up my kid at school in Oregon. She was in college and was like, so you got to go. They're going to close this place, I guarantee, and we mm-hmm. need to be prepared for that. So I brought 800 gallons of hand sanitizer for you because you can't <laughs> find it anywhere anymore. Right. And so I brought hand sanitizer and they were like, mom, you are absolutely ridiculous. And I'm like, okay, maybe. I'm cool if I'm ridiculous, but yeah. also let's make sure that we're ready. Sure. She had to be out of her house within 24 hours and get off campus right then. And I'm like, told you <laughs> so brought her home i got to bring all my babies home and online school was not awesome but um yeah. have them home and like do you would you like me to make you soup sure yeah. would you like me to make you breakfast in bed no problem i just it was nice for me that part of I it was nice that. where you got to like reconnect with you had to the people yeah. in your household dogs everything yeah. you know yeah, it was my dog is not my person in my house, so I could have done without him. But um, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I, but I will so say so glad that you said that. Oh God, Lord, I'm not. I get so much crud around yeah. this office for not being like the most dog friendly. I am not a dog person. I am not really an animal person. I'm not an animal hater. But we're, like, we're shutting this thing down. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like he runs away I'm like bye buddy hope you find your dad there's evil in this office right now Um, I will also say during shutdown when my kids were home the number of times I had to say to my kids you may not do school in your bikini or in the hot tub was 
horrifying. Oh, why not? For the teachers. Oh, for yeah. the teachers. Okay, fair yeah. enough. For their oh, sake. they were on camera. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, girls. The sweet <laughs> girls are really yeah. living up to the name. I have four really pretty daughters. <laughs> and they were, at the yeah. time, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, and oh now two God. of them are them. engaged. Yep. In the last, in October, one week, and then the next week, yeah. my oldest proposed to her girlfriend, mm-hmm. now fiance. Is this Carly? Carly oldest? is my okay. oldest. And she, I knew this was coming because she bought a wedding ring mm-hmm. when we were in Ireland in March. Okay. Um, so I knew that was coming. And then the next weekend, my next oldest daughter, Ashley, her now fiance, proposed to her down in Texas. So... Yeah, we're at a different stage. We're in different trenches than you all are in. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you guys are so tight-knit, though. And, I mean, I know appearance and social media is one thing, but, like, even just hearing you talk about your family, I'm just, like, goals. Oh. You know? Uh, not without its struggles, for right. sure. Absolutely. You know? I mean, that's the appearance. I call it um, – this is how I describe it to people. I can call my sister fat, but if you call my sister fat, I'll kick your ass syndrome. Exactly. Like that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Is we we can have our internal stuff, mm-hmm. and we also are fiercely protective and loving, you know, yeah. towards each other, and and sometimes not. I mean, mm-hmm. We have friction. So yeah, I love I love having girls. I have four girls, and I'm just like. Who picked me to have this gig? It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Most uh, days. Most days. Seems so fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, yeah, it does. I, I have two boys. I don't I don't know any different. Plus, I have so five young. older brothers. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I don't know sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never had a sister. And I had one girl, and then I was like, oh, sisters is cool. Oh, uh, that's cool. And and for every kid, I was like, if I just have more girls, I'm great with that. Oh, really? So you weren't trying for the boy? Oh, my the God, no. Okay. I was terrified of a boy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What do you relate. do with them? They're I don't so know. They're so straightforward. They're so straightforward. It's easy. You but just... now having two girls, it's like, oh, I think if we had more, I would just want to keep yeah. copy sure. paste. No, girls are great. I, I always kind of wanted a girl. Yeah. Um, But it's, I just, you know, there are unique challenges, yes. Oh. <laughs> boys are pretty straightforward. You just you know what you're. Getting. I think boys are harder in the in the little years. Yeah. Oh, really? like oh, they're, they're more they're touch, and rambunctious, feel, jump, go, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. and that's exhausting. Yeah, it yeah. Is. And then the teenagers come, and the girls are like, "Are you?" I'm like, "Are you? Are you crying again?" Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I feel that about my four year old. Oh, oh, like, buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, the one thing, unless you have anything else, Lauren. I do have you one do. more thing. You do, okay. Is there anything that you've ever called Whitney about and just been like, help? Um, No. Hmm. I don't, I, I, I've called Whitney to be like, hey, nobody else knows the answer. Hey, my coach doesn't know many answers, it turns out. So I'm calling <laughs> you again. And I just need to know logistically how to do this, our Sam's questions. Uh-huh. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's it. And like. Uh, one of my favorite ones was when I had a solar panel one and I'm like, oh shit, you told me how, but you properly scared me about solar panel good. transactions, which is a good thing to do. <laughs> and you said, nope. Okay. Are they owned or leased? Or you went through it? Nope. You're good. 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 And then I'm like, okay, well what if, and you're like, it's very different. So you just call me every time there's mm-hmm. solar panels. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's good. Yeah. Perfect. What about you? Um, do you remember my first deal? It was my first deal. Mm. Oh, man. I was terrified because I had a dad situation. Oh, oh a dad situation. Do you remember this? Yep. And it had like I was just so excited because it was about to be my first commission and it was the day before closing. The dad showed up and he called. Oh, I remember that. And he it's was like, one. hey, how about that referral? Oh. 
Because they had an agent that they knew, I guess, that had shown a property, but they had never signed anything. And my agreement was for this well, this property specific, right? Mm. Because I was like, hey, if you don't want to use me, that's okay. You don't have to use me. And so Every we, new agent. It's yes. fine. It's yes. fine. Yes, yes. So we made it address specific, right? And oh. I mean, you can do that. I didn't know that you could do that, mm-hmm. but you can do it. Um, and he calls and he's like, how about that referral? And I was like, what? Like, like, who are you? How about um, what? I'm sorry. No. Mm-hmm. There was never anything signed. There was never anything sent to me by another agent. And I did the work. Yeah. Um, so I'm calling her freaking out like this dad's coming after me and we're not going to close tomorrow. What happened? Um, we closed. And, and I said, please hold. You're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to close tomorrow. Yeah. And have your have the dad call me. I'll take yeah. care of it. No, that, uh, I, I don't think he had to call me. I think we just worked through. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, he, he was he like, was you agent. should get them okay. like a very nice closing gift. Like, and he put a monetary amount on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He Remember? said you should do like a wine of the month club or something like that. Thousand dollars, or and then it was like, oh, but then you can like pay it to me. But here's the uh, thing: oof. early in your career, you you people will say a lot more to you yes. than they will for the rest of your career because you would never have made space for that to be available right. now for him right. to say that to you. When you're new, you just like give this essence of just give me the deal or I'll yeah. do whatever. Yeah. And yep. and the more season you get, they, it, people would never ask you that now. No. True. Or well, if they did, you'd shut it down for five seconds. And I don't know if he could tell that I was new, but he just kept on being like, this is probably the easiest deal you've ever done. And I wanted to be like, this no. is the only deal it I've is. ever done. It's also the hardest deal I've ever done. <laughs> also, Nabra. <laughs> yeah, basically, take a walk. Yeah. So yeah. I, like, I look back on that and I think like, oh, wow, that was a really big deal then. And now... I don't think that would ever phase me. That's it. You learn and your little bubble of Mm -hmm. experience grows and grows and grows and grows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then your bubble's huge. And each Mm -hmm. time it just, you know. Grows. Your bubble's got to be enormous. (laughs) Not a big bubble. (laughs) Yeah. But to speak to what you said earlier, real estate school never prepared me Mm -hmm. to have that conversation. It never prepared me, right, to navigate the ins and outs of a deal. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I'm so appreciative of you for like, holding my hand through a lot of things. <laughs> you're not a lot of things. You don't actually. I mean, we have a few agents that are a lot of things and you're not one of them. There have to be some that. that... I mean, I think everybody has a different level of comfort. Yeah. And also when you hold something for someone when they're in a moment of panic, then they just want to go straight to you. Yes. You know, so again, there are certain people that I'm the straight line lifeline to them on anything. Mm-hmm. And and there are other people who I'm like, would you please call me before you get to this place? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. will you please? Because for a lot of people and agents, we're a feisty bunch mm-hmm. and fiercely independent yeah. most of the time. Yeah. And I'm like, you can just call. And I would prefer for my license to be safe also. Yeah. You just call and ask me. So yeah. I never yeah. mind. I am not overwhelmed with calls. I, I Some days am, some days I'm not, but almost always have my phone with me. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at Managing, putting out fires. Yeah. yeah. That's why you can dress as a firefighter today. (laughs) Halloween. I know. I love that. (laughs) It's great. All right. So our big question. Uh, This is our one scheduled question. What are you reading? What are you listening to currently? It can be anything. It can be anything. I am reading. I I thought I knew you were going to ask this question. So I am reading a book 
called What Made Maddie Run, and it's about mm-hmm. an elite athlete and and young person who ended her life, and it's about what happened leading up to that and some of the pressures of that are on our kids mm-hmm. uh, in social media and uh, athletes, athletics. Yeah. And um, so it's interesting, but it's not a light read, and I don't recommend it if you're not, like, interested in the subject right now. Sure. I My two favorite recently, reading The Great Gatsby with my daughter recently for school. Oh, we read it out loud. That. I read it out loud to her, to my 18-year-old. You did? Oh, that's awesome. It was awesome. so great. And then my other daughter is reading The Glass Castle right now and I've gone through that one a couple times with my kids and it's a great book so Mm. I mean it's a horrifying book but it's great and I'm listening to Taylor Swift all day long currently ah, Kevin's gonna love that <laughs> love Taylor Swift Kevin's gonna love that I don't Do I like Taylor Swift but um not yet okay I just like that it's listenable it's yeah. it's not there aren't a lot of like shake it off moments there's like sure. a lot of like right. kind of chill but you know yeah it's fine I listen to a lot of music so I have a long I've I like things on Spotify and then just hit my liked playlist and mm-hmm. shuffle it up. Yep. So yeah. I do that a there lot can be too. a lot of things right next to each other. Yes. But not in the same way. You two or the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> As we discussed <laughs> off mic. That's, we really bonded by not being impressed with you two or the Beatles. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Um, Lauren, what about you? Um, I'm not reading anything right now. I probably should. And sometimes I just get in ruts with reading where I just, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't feel like it. We both have been made fun of on this podcast for doing that. I know. And I'm just, <laughs> and that's and your question. And you don't I'm have there. Yeah, yeah, I'm that a, all the time. But I'm about to be in Mexico with my sister. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll pick it back up. Vacation reads. Are yes. The best. But I did watch the watcher on Netflix. Ooh. I binged it the weekend that Chris was out of town for work. Mm-hmm. And well, probably not the wisest idea um, because it's kind of like a thriller. Um, it was so good. So highly recommend The Watcher. It was on in the same room as me, but I don't watch TV, really. It might be on, but I never process what's happening Mm -hmm. on it, ever. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Or movies. Nothing. Pretty much. Mm. Interesting. I just, my mind is always somewhere else. I may be even looking in the direction of it, but there's not anything being absorbed. Are you like a doer where you never really sit down and like... I sit down more now than I used to, but Mm -hmm. like I have goals every year about like maybe watch a TV show or sit down, you know. So I sit down when I do compliance stuff when I have to, but I have a very interesting brain very distracted that sounds a, like my sister it's a very high functioning person goal to say uh some sort of leisure that's a goal of mine because <laughs> yeah. i'm not gonna do that otherwise yeah yeah oh. okay what are you reading i am reading a novel called circe it's about uh, it's like a greek mythology based it's about this uh, nymph i guess <laughs> it's something that i would never be interested in, in but it was recommended to me so freaking good uh like getting back into that it's a it's a unique kind of modern take on Greek mythology. I'm really enjoying it. And then I'm listening to a lot of things. I'm like you, Whitney, where I just hit the liked playlist, but a lot of the band camp, do you guys know camp? Mm -hmm. They're kind of a folky. um, I've been digging them lately. I love the the Spotify where you say a playlist from the song. Yes. And then you get so much new music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is my life right now. Yes. And okay. I got a new car. It's really cute. She'd be real cute. What but did you get? <laughs> I, <laughs> I love to drive currently. So I'm like, I'm just going to go drive for a little bit if I have a yes. few minutes and put on some Spotify. And Have you discovered any best. new bands that you love or just songs? Oh, well, I have to look. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because a lot of my kids will listen to music and I'm like, I really like that. Mm. They're not in realms I usually would listen to. Yeah. And sure. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. What car did you get? I don't want to say. Okay. 
Can we come see it? Can we take a joyride in your Mini Cooper? (gasps) It's not a Mini Cooper. (laughs) Let's just say this. My kids mostly have moved out. I've won them up to home. And I I bought myself a going away gift. Because I don't have to drive a mom car anymore. kids around. Yeah. Okay. And so I got myself a gift. As soon as we get done with this. It's a Ferrari. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Whitney, sweet, you are the best. Thank you you so much for your time. I don't listen. You know, I have a lot of agents and I don't love all of the things that everybody puts out in all the forms. Sure. I like a lot of it. And I really love our agents. I love our agents. There's like not really anyone in the office that I'm like, meh. I love everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your podcast is great. It's quality. And um, I'm honored to be here. <sighs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're the best. And listeners, you guys are the best. We love you all. We love you. See you. <laughs> Bye.